our gut-brain connection, how this can influence our mental health. Tune in for all those details only here on the People Scientist Podcast. to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 90, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all be a little bit smarter and healthier every week. How is your day going? What are you up to right now? I love hearing from all of you what you do while listening to the show. I've heard that some of you like to listen on Sunday mornings with your cup of coffee or while exercising, while doing your laundry, while harvesting in the fields, on your commute, or even before bed. I love hearing those details. So wherever and whenever you are listening right now, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Before I jump into today's topic, I wanted to give a shout out to two people who recently sent me a coffee to say thank you for the episodes, and that is Mary and Fanny. Thank you so, so much for your kind gesture. Often doing a podcast is an interesting thing because it seems like I'm just talking to myself, but when one of you sends me $5 for a coffee via Venmo or Patreon, or even a little message to say that you enjoyed the episode, that's a really lovely reminder to me that you are enjoying the show. So thank you so much, and a special thanks to Mary and Fanny. So for today's topic, I came across a review published this month by one of my friend's mentors, John Cryan. He's a very well-known scientist on the topic of our gut health or intestinal health and our mental well-being. So I wanted to to discuss with all of you today the studies published on how our intestinal health might influence our mood and mental health. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Our mental health is no longer viewed as involving just the brain. Mood disorders and mental well-being are now seen as a whole body and brain condition. Particularly, a lot of evidence supports that our gut or our intestines are directly linked to our brain. As a result, our intestinal health influences our brain health and therefore our mental health. Have you heard of the concept leaky gut? This, in essence, means that things that should not pass from our intestines into our circulation now are. This could cause an inflammatory response, some changes to brain metabolism, and a higher risk for mood disorders like depression. The good news is we know some things that might help. This includes foods rich in specific fibers called prebiotics, 
such as chicory root, inulin, bananas, oats, barley, asparagus, garlic, onions, and more. Probiotics, which essentially are thought to be beneficial bacterial strains, may promote the health of the intestines and clinically might improve symptoms of mood disorders in clinical trials. Probiotics can be taken in pill form, can be found in certain yogurts, or in fermented foods and drinks like kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, and more. But consuming these healthful foods should be done on a regular basis to maintain the potential health benefits. So promoting our intestinal health just might promote our mental health. Now, let's get into those details. The gut-brain axis is a very popular topic that has been researched in the last 5 to 10 years. The realization that our brain is not just a standalone organ, but rather many of our organs communicate with and influence our brain. We have learned that our intestines can communicate with our brain, and vice versa our brain with our intestines, via the vagus nerve, our immune system, and via the stress circuit called the HPA axis, or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. We know through preclinical studies that the intestines can directly speak to certain parts of the brain, like my favorite brain region, the nucleus of the tractus solitarius, or the NTS. So the health of our intestines is important because it can influence the signals sent to the brain. One important determinant of our intestinal health is our gut microbiome, or in other words, the bacteria that live in our intestines. It is estimated that we have nearly 100 trillion bacteria in our intestines. If you heard before that we have more bacteria than cells in our body, that is true. It is estimated that we have about three times more bacteria in our body than cells. So now let's talk about the concept of leaky gut. Mays in the journal Neuroendocrinology Letters back in 2008 published an important study on the concept of leaky gut and depression. Have you heard of this term leaky gut before? It refers to increased permeability of our intestines. So let me give an analogy to help explain the concept of leaky gut. Our intestines serve as a really important part of our defense system. They are like the frontline soldiers that stand guard and protect our organs from damage. If we eat something harmful, our intestines are supposed to stop that harmful thing from entering into our circulation. If our intestines become quote-unquote leaky, it is as though our frontline soldiers have fallen that defense system has weakened. So things that normally would not have been able to cross into our territory now can. So now our second line of defense, our immune system, think of them like the archers, are now trying to take out the intruders. But this can cause some chaos and damage, aka inflammation. Some trials indicate that this inflammation, or the intruders, may influence the brain in a way that increases the risk for low mood and depression. So in this 2008 clinical trial, Mays wanted to understand if this really was the case. 
Can harmful things get through our intestines into our blood circulation and cause an immune response? Is this more likely to happen in individuals with depression? The short answer is yes. This trial included 51 individuals. Approximately half of the participants were diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Individuals diagnosed with depression were 90% likely to have higher levels of immunoglobulin M and immunoglobulin A against lipopolysaccharide of enterobacteria versus individuals without depression. So what does that mean? You see, some bacteria can release some highly inflammatory molecules. And if those molecules make their way past our intestines into our circulation, it could induce a strong inflammatory response. So going back to our analogy, the scientists detected the intruders and archers inside the defense walls. So these findings from this clinical trial support the notion that leaky gut or leaky intestines could lead to inflammation and could be associated with depression as this leaky gut was more common in individuals living with depression versus those not. Now, this is not the only study to discuss the concept of inflammation increasing the risk of low mood and depression. Back in episode 25, I detailed the evidence on this concept, but I will briefly share some information here on how inflammation could increase the risk for depression. Felger and colleagues in 2013 realized that when a pro-inflammatory molecule called interferon was administered, that symptoms of depression quickly became apparent. This is further supported by a study that showed more than 50% of patients treated with another pro-inflammatory molecule, a high dose of interferon alpha. They met the diagnostic criteria for major depressive disorder within three months of starting that treatment. It is thought that depression symptoms occur with inflammation because these inflammatory molecules lower serotonin utilization. And serotonin is a very important neurotransmitter involved in stabilizing our mood. I've also mentioned the following concept in a few past episodes, that in the presence of stress and inflammation, instead of the amino acid tryptophan being converted to serotonin and melatonin, it is instead preferentially shifted to produce kynurenine and other mediators such as quinolinic acid. It is as though inflammation just shifts our metabolism away from positive mood and good sleep. This concept is reviewed very well by Gian in the Journal of Neuroimmunology in 2017. So if a leaky gut leads to inflammation, and inflammation leads to altered brain and serotonin metabolism, this may lead to low mood. So it is a well-recognized concept that higher levels of inflammation in our body may predispose us to lower mood. So what determines our intestinal health and risk for leaky gut? Well, unfortunately, individuals battling with autoimmune disorders, such as rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, Crohn's, colitis, celiac, for example, they tend to be at a higher risk for increased permeability of the intestines. In preclinical studies, high intakes of alcohol can also damage the intestines and increase the risk of leaky gut. Long-term intake of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like aspirin, acetaminophen, naproxen, or ibuprofen 
may also lead to damage of the intestinal barrier. It is also thought that a Western type of diet, which is characterized by having a lot of fast food, junk food, refined foods, that that may also promote leaky gut. So if we know now what can increase the risk of permeable intestines, what can we do to promote the health of our intestines? Well, our gut microbiome plays an important role in our intestinal health and our mental health too. A landmark study was published five years ago by Kelly and colleagues in the journal Psychiatric Research. The scientists took a fecal sample from patients diagnosed with depression or from those of matched controls without depression. The scientists noted that in patients living with depression, that there was far less diversity in the bacteria in their intestines versus those without depression. The scientists took these fecal samples and transplanted them into rats that previously had no gut microbiome. The rats that received the fecal samples from patients with depression quickly started showing indications of depressive-like behavior. This is one of the studies that supported the notion that the gut microbiome may just directly impact mental well-being. And other studies have replicated these findings. So if the gut microbiome or the bacteria in our intestines is important, how can we influence our gut microbiome? Our diet is the biggest and most important contributor to our gut microbiome. What we eat can influence our intestinal bacteria within 24 hours, so very quickly. It is thought that a diet rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and fish has been linked to a reduced risk of depression. I actually talked about this back in episode 51, the Mediterranean diet, essentially. Whereas really high-fat diets, low in fiber, high in sugar, high in salt, have been linked to imbalances in the gut microbiome. So this made me think, if we are eating a ketogenic or low-carbohydrate diet, perhaps we need to consider adding a variety of different vegetables to our diet in order to diversify the fibers that are available to the intestines. Our gut microbiome may also impact our food cravings and feelings of satiety. It has been shown that specific bacterial populations may promote satiety and reduce food cravings. But that is something that I want to go into a lot more detail in a future episode about probiotics, obesity, and weight loss. But essentially, from the last few seconds, what I said, eating a Mediterranean diet seems to be beneficial for our gut microbiome and for mental well-being and for food cravings. Whereas eating a more Western type of diet, high in refined junk food, that seems to be detrimental. Preclinical and clinical studies have investigated if taking probiotics could influence mental well-being by acting on the gut microbiome. So if you are familiar with probiotics, they are specific bacteria that are thought to be beneficial, and we can find them in foods like certain yogurts, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, and some other fermented foods, or they can be found in capsule form. Probiotics typically include bifidobacterium and lactobacilli strains of bacteria. Several preclinical studies have shown that if probiotics are added to the food of animals, like rats, that some measures of depressive and anxiety-like behaviors reduce. But how about in humans? 
In the journal Psychiatry Research in 2019, Go and colleagues conducted a meta-analysis that pooled together 19 randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trials that totaled nearly 2,000 individuals. So these are well-designed, tightly controlled studies. The goal of this meta-analysis was to understand if taking probiotics could improve mood in individuals living with depression or in individuals without depression. The scientists concluded that if the individuals had a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, that taking probiotics induced some benefits to their mood, whereas individuals without a diagnosis for depression were less likely to see a benefit to mood. So what types of probiotics induced the benefit to their mood? A lot of the lactobacilli and bifidobacterium showed positive results, specifically lactobacillus acidophilus, bulgaricus, casei, helveticus, fermentum, ruteri, rhamnosus, as well as bifidobacterium bifidum, brevet, longum, all of these strains showed benefit for mood. So if you are looking for probiotics, if they contain some of the strains I just listed, they may have benefit according to the clinical trial data. So how about we go through one of the clinical trials that were included in this meta-analysis. Kazemi in the journal Clinical Nutrition in 2019 conducted a randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled study in 81 subjects who were diagnosed with depression in the last couple of years. One-third of the participants received a probiotic that consisted of the bacteria Lactobacillus helveticus and Bifidobacterium longum. They took this probiotic every day for eight weeks. Another third of the group received a placebo, and the last third of the group received a prebiotic which I will talk about in just a couple of minutes. So after eight weeks of taking the probiotic daily, the participants had a reduction in their Beck's depression inventory score from 18.25 to 9. What that means is in this population, taking a probiotic daily reduced their symptoms of depression by half. That's pretty profound. The prebiotic group saw a small improvement of 19.4 to 14.1 on their depression score, and the placebo group, by comparison, saw a very minor improvement from 18.7 to 15.5. So a minor placebo effect was seen here. So based on this clinical trial and the pooling of 19 clinical trials together, it seems to be certainly possible that adding new bacterial populations to the gut, particularly the lactobacilli and bifidobacterium strains, might be of benefit to depression. Now, I mentioned prebiotics in this clinical trial too, which is distinct from probiotics. So if probiotics are the bacteria, prebiotics are the fiber that fuels the bacteria. So prebiotics are like giving energy to the healthy bacteria. Prebiotics can include fermentable oligosaccharides. These can be found, for example, in chicory root or inulin, artichokes, garlic, onion, bananas, oats, and flaxseed, for example. Clinical trials have illustrated that eating a source of prebiotics can increase the number of certain beneficial bacterial populations. Now, the data on prebiotics promoting mental well-being is sparse in comparison to the data on probiotics. But let's go through a well-designed clinical trial. Aspiros in 2017 conducted a randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled study 
and 79 participants with irritable bowel syndrome. The participants were provided 5 grams of prebiotics every day. Specifically, the prebiotic was a short-chain fructooligosaccharide for 4 weeks. The prebiotic resulted in an increase in bifidobacteria in their fecal samples, and it also resulted in a reduction in their scores of anxiety by 2 points versus only half a point improvement in the placebo group. So it appears that prebiotics may beneficially alter the gut microbiota, but there's not much data to neither support or deny the benefits of prebiotics on mental well-being. Now the data on fiber and prebiotics promoting intestinal health, however, is more obvious. We know that fiber serves as a fuel source and a source of nutrients for our gut microbiome. Bacteria can break down fiber to produce short-chain fatty acids, which are beneficial to our intestinal cells. These short-chain fatty acids from fiber can also donate hydrogen atoms to harmful molecules like ammonia and turn it into less harmful ammonium. Fiber also acts like a buffer to absorb potentially harmful compounds that we have ingested as well, like free radicals. So if fiber can promote the health of our intestines through many ways, then it may very well prevent the gut from becoming leaky, so to speak. So very simply put, eating foods rich in whole grains like oats, barley, buckwheat, whole grain bread, fruits, vegetables, and seeds like flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed, these, these may all provide fuel for our gut microbiome and intestinal cells in order for them to stay healthy. Probiotics may benefit our intestinal bacteria by adding in beneficial populations. However, our intestinal bacteria can change rather quickly within 24 hours. So these healthful changes of eating foods rich in healthy fibers and consuming fermented foods or sources of probiotics appears to be something that needs to be done on a continual basis in order for us to have the continual benefits. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. Some scientific evidence on our intestinal health and our mental health. In the last decade, we have really understood that the brain is not a standalone organ, but rather many of our organs, especially our intestines, are directly connected to and influence our brain. Our intestines can directly communicate to our brain via the vagus nerve or through an immune response. Typically, foods in the Mediterranean diet are associated with a lower risk of depression, such as eating a diet rich in whole grains, vegetables, fish, olive oil, nuts, and fruit for dessert. Whereas a typical Western diet rich in refined, processed, high-sugar, high-salt, high-fat foods is associated with a higher risk for depression. I talk about this a lot in past episodes 25 and 51. But our microbiome is a really important part of our intestinal health. We can promote our gut microbiome with fiber and prebiotics like chicory root or inulin, oats, flaxseed, bananas, garlic, and onion, for example. We can also consume sources of probiotic bacteria like yogurt, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, or probiotics in capsule form. Bifidobacteria and lactobacilli strains have been studied clinically and showed some benefit on mood in individuals living with depression. So remember, our intestinal health is an important factor for our overall health and our mental health. I hope that this episode was interesting for all of you. 
I know it was really intriguing for me and was a nice reminder to take care of my intestinal health and aim for some good sources of fiber. I think I might go bake some oat, blueberry, banana, and flaxseed muffins. I think that'll be a nice source of some prebiotics. So in the end of this episode, if you want to buy me a coffee to say thank you, Stephanie, for the episode, you can do so now via Venmo or Patreon. Those details are the in the description box to this episode. If you don't already follow me on social media, you might just want to, as I like to share some of the studies I cite in this episode, as well as a little bit of extra information on the week's topic. If you have the choice, Instagram is where I post most of my information. So I hope you all have an awesome and healthy week, and I look forward to meeting you back here the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.